Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. I'm sure that many of us have heard these words before. It's none of my business, but... And usually whatever follows afterwards creates conflict. Oxford English Dictionary defines conflict as something or as as an incompatibility between opinions, principles, etc. It was Clay Smith during the 2022 uh, Pastors Conference of the Southern Baptist Convention that said, what type of time do we live in where non-believers know more about our church divisiveness than our church's Savior? There's a pastor who tells this story of the great Alabama church of, in 1819. And in one business meeting, two ladies became so angered they broke out in a fist fight. And it was recorded in the history that there was a mighty smiting of fists. The sad reality, church, is conflict breeds itself in our church. Some get upset over carpet color. Some get upset over spill stains. Some get upset over service times. Some get upset over instruments used in service or not used in service. Some get upset that the worship leader didn't sing your favorite hymn or his favorite song. Some get upset that the pastor preached too long. Some get upset that the pastor preached too short. Some get upset that the pastor just preached a text that just landed a little too close to home. Some get upset that their Sunday school class gets moved. Today, we're going to hear one simple truth from Paul today, and is that our role as Christians is to maintain the unity of believers in the midst of the enemy who is trying his utmost to tear it apart. We are in battle, church. If you have your sword this morning, if you have your Bible this morning, will you open with me to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 2. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 2, if you have found your place, would you stand with me this morning, if you can, to read God's Word together? Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul continues, I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers... 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worth, anything worth of praise, if there is anything about, think upon these things. What about uh, what, have you, what you have learned and received and heard, seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that, Father, right now you would just take me, hide me behind the cross, focus my mind this morning, that, God, we would just look to you, we would focus on you, and we would hear from you this morning. God, would you, if there is one here, Lord, maybe they're in the midst of conflict even right now, God, I just pray that you would allow this text to speak to us this morning. God, would you challenge us as a, as a body of believers, as a church, together and to maintain unity. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Many of you know that much of my undergrad was spent studying literature, mainly the Romantic era of poetry and history uh, from about the late 1600s to the early 1800s. And during that time, I found myself kind of hyper-focused on a, on a single man, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, and many of, many of you may know his beautiful poems that he wrote, but but it may be less known, his time as a pastor, his belief in awful Unitarian theology, his hellacious drinking problem, and his opioid addiction. Coleridge had a really good friend, William Wordsworth. He was, they were really good companions, really good friends, and they would write together. They, would, they, would, uh, uh, they had a really good friendship. Until about the early 1800s, 1803 to my best real estimation, and uh, a man by the name of Basil Montague, who was a lawyer and great friend to both Wordsworth and Coleridge, came and, and visited, in which case uh, Coleridge opened up to him about his opioid addiction and his problem that he had, and uh, Basil offered to, for him to come back to London and to stay with him and to, to get into his rehab program to hopefully beat his opioid addiction. However, Wordsworth, going behind Coleridge's back, warned Basil about Coleridge's violent outburst, telling Basil he is a rotten drunkard who is rotting out his insides by his, int uh, by his, intemperance, his intemperance. Well, word came out of this and caused great strain in both Wordsworth and Coleridge's relationship. Conflict changes everything. It does. Conflict changes everything. We get to this, this passage of Scripture, and Paul is, I entreat Iodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I entreat you to in, in, uh, uh, agree in the Lord. We have these two ladies, and they are immortalized in Scripture, and they're not immortalized for their service to the Lord. They're immortalized because of the fact that they can't get along. That they have this disagreement that's happening in things. And so, obviously, these two ladies are arguing. People know what people would have been, I'll talk about it in a minute, they would have known what's going on. But these two ladies are more known for what they're arguing about than the fact that they're serving the Lord together. Church, if people know more about the things that, that, that are dividing us instead of us, then we've missed the mark. We, we've missed it. The first thing I want you to see today, church, is if people know more about our gossip than our gospel, then we have failed. 
If people know more about our gossip than they do about our gospel, we have absolutely failed. Paul does not state what these ladies are arguing about, only that he tells them to agree in the Lord. And so we have to read between the lines a little bit in this. We have to kind of read some things, things we know about Paul, things we know about Scripture to kind of infer what's going on here. First is that this obviously was not a theological issue because Paul didn't take a side in it. Paul doesn't say, hey, you need to stop Eodia because she's preaching this or she's teaching this. You need to stop Syntyche because she's teaching the wrong thing. He says, agree in the Lord, which means obviously this really wasn't an eternal impacting issue. This wasn't a theological issue. This was a squabble. It was obviously an issue that people would have known. Paul gives us absolutely no context, which means as they would stand up and read in Philippi, they would have come to this passage of Scripture when he says, I entreat uh, Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. People would have been like, yes, finally, someone said it. They would have known these ladies. There's no context given, which means Paul assumes that the author, or the, I'm sorry, the recipient knows what's happening. But apparently they're causing division. Apparently there's, there, there's a division of Iodia and Syntyche, so people were siding with either Iodia or Syntyche by saying, well, if I side with Iodia, everything Syntyche says is lying. Or I side with Syntyche, everything Iodia says is, is a lie. And they were dividing the church of Philippi. I don't know what they were fighting about. I don't know what it is, but I can, I can look at today's aspect. And you know what divides a church faster than the Antichrist can is gossip. We disguise it well. We do. Oh, goodness. Mm-mm-mm. We need to pray for Linda. Did you see what she was wearing this morning? Oh, goodness. Bless her heart. Or, oh, man, their marriage is in trouble. Oh, bless their heart. There are genuine prayer requests, but church, can I warn us that prayer requests that do not lead to prayerful intervention is gossip. Prayer requests that do not lead to us interceding in prayer for their burdens, for their supplications, is gossip. That's all it is. But we, when we come and we genuinely pray, that is a genuine prayer request. That's not gossip. That's letting people know the burdens and supplications. But the problem is, is so often we say, oh, yeah, we're going to pray for them later. We forget. Later doesn't come. It's kind of like that old Andy Griffith when Barney gets, Barney shoots, uh, uh, Barney accidentally misfires. It turns out he's dead at the end of it. Remember, remember the whole game of telephone with a, uh, what was that episode? The Gospel Ladies. Barney ends up dead. Paul thought it was so important that these women got along that he notified him the only way he knew how. So, of course, for you teenagers, I mean, he grabbed, he grabbed his cell phone. He texted them, man, stop eating that beef. You're so cringy, no cap. You're welcome. And they say I'm not relatable. But he notified them the only way they, that he knew how. He puts it in this letter. Paul is 800 miles away. He's under house arrest. Paul has no way to just show up and say, we've seen this. He says, I've longed to be with you. I hope one day to to, to be with you. And he says, he sends this back with Epaphroditus. And uh, and, and it comes here. And obviously this is not an issue that is theological, but it is an issue that was dividing the church. It wasn't really that important. There's a church in Florida, uh, I'm sorry, in Georgia, and I'm not going to name its name, but in 1995, 
the church decided to change out the carpet that was within the church. They had a deep red, which is, I'm assuming is pretty well what we have in our chairs, a beautiful carpet that was going through. And so it came out in business meeting that the new carpet color would be a, a pale green, not like a pukey green, but I'm guessing some kind of tame green. Well, this caused a revolt within the congregation, which caused the police to be notified and called to the church in order to bring order back to the business meeting. This is a church business meeting in which the police were called to bring back order. Well, this event caused such a stir that the church split. And the church that split went across the street from where this church was planted, across the street, and erected a new church. As pastors, we love to joke about the fact that people split churches over carpet color. They do! And the pettiness of setting up a new church directly across the street from your home church. But Paul challenges these ladies. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. This tells us Paul had served alongside Eodia. He served alongside Syntyche. He knew these women. And he continues, he said, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Their names were in the book of life. Eodia, Syntyche, the, the, the helper, the companion that he's talking about. Maybe he was Epaphroditus. Who knows? But this man named Clement. Who is Clement? I don't know. Paul doesn't tell us. But again, the people would have known. Maybe he was a deacon for First Baptist Church Philippi. I don't, I don't know who he was. But Paul mentions, put aside all of this for the sake of the gospel. He lays out this wonderful way to resolve conflict. He begins in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say to you, rejoice. Paul lays out the beginning of this. His first off is to rejoice. And this word doesn't just say rejoice when it's convenient for you. Rejoice in you. Rejoice in the things you've got going on. It says to rejoice in the Lord. Notice it takes you completely out of the equation. It doesn't matter if you're having a bad day or not. You're to rejoice in the Lord. He says to, to, the second thing I want to call us to this morning is that there should be no conflict among God's people. There shouldn't be. There is. But there shouldn't be. How are we able to be the salt and light of the world if we look and act just like the world? Listen, I see some of these churches I think should be on Jerry Springer because that's what they look like. Man, they're, they're, they're crazy. How are we supposed to be salt and light of the earth if we look just like it? If we sound just like it? If we engage in conflict just like it? He says in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He says to let your reasonableness, the Greek word here is epikise, and it means that he says the, the Lord is, is at hand. And this is great. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, go not as far as you may, nor as even as far as some of you ought, think you ought in defending your own rights, but let your gentleness, your yieldingness be known to all men. James Boyce says it this way. Say it this way. This means that they have the mind of Christ. That is the same thing that Paul said earlier when he wrote that your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. Notice when he says to rejoice in the Lord, you're not a part of that. 
we rejoice in what God is doing. We rejoice in how God is moving. We rejoice in God. And we've, we began this series talking about reclaiming joy, understanding that our joy does not define by the circumstances that we go through in life. We can find joy despite those when we rejoice in the Lord. You know, are we get into this, are, are we more excited about the spiritual things or are we more excited about the earthly things? Are we more excited about how many we baptized this year or are we more excited about how little the new pastor has changed our church? Are we more excited about how, how, how much we are moving and how much people are, are being discipled or are we more excited about the earthly things? Paul's, Paul's challenge here is, to let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at, is, at, is at hand. Our focus as Christians should be on a, a mind of Christ. Do you really think that God really cares if we have green or red carpet? Do you, do you really think that God really cares if we're worshiping in this building or maybe in that pavilion? What if we're in the middle of, of, of uh, the wet season of Africa? It's 118 degrees outside and we're, we're worshiping. Do you think God really cares if, it, if we're in air conditioning or, or in not? We've put our priorities in so many weird places that are earthly man-made. The church can exist anywhere. Listen, tomorrow, and pray, Lord, please, tomorrow this building could be annihilated and Eubank Baptist Church would still exist. Can I tell you, church? We exist beyond that. But this is how we see man's likeness has become gospel. He says, let your reasonableness, another word, maybe your forbearance, maybe a better translation of that. And he he says, all because the Lord is at hand. Christ is coming. Let your reasonableness be known because God is coming. You know, I shared this uh, in Sunday school last week, and I I don't know if I've shared it in here, but we're, as we're gearing up for our evangelism rally, we were at a training last, uh, last week, and uh, I can't remember if he said 23 or 29 percent of Pulaski County is in any church of any kind on any given Sunday. Now, out of the 65, 7,000 people, that leaves us with about roughly over 55,000 people in Pulaski County alone that need Jesus. We're not even adding Lincoln County in right now. Over 55,000 people that need to hear about Jesus. Listen, we don't have the luxury to be known for anything but our gospel right now. Because 55,000 souls are at stake. We don't have the luxury for that. Paul's saying that let your reasonableness be known because the Lord is at hand. You don't have the luxury of letting that be because your reasonableness needs to be known because the Lord is at hand. Jesus is coming any minute. We're closer today than we were yesterday. But we live like we don't even believe that anymore. Our churches live like they don't even believe that anymore. Do not be anxious about anything in verse 6, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. We love this verse. Man, do not be anxious about anything. That is such a comforting, wonderful verse. Lend not your mind to earthly frustrations. Church, we must be prayed up, geared up, and stood up. We've got to be ready. That's what this is telling us. 
We must, rejo- uh, we must continue to rejoice. We must let our reasonableness be known. And we must not be anxious. We must have this mind of Christ. That's what this is, is a mind of Christ. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, having that mind of Christ. Paul writes this in the church of Corinth, that we are to have a mind like Christ. Dwell on things like Christ. Be burdened by the things of Christ. And you know what? The sad reality is this is not our natural human inclination, nature, natural state being. We don't wake up in the morning and the first thing on our minds is Jesus. But it could be. I didn't say this in first service. But you know, our mind is a wonderful thing. You know, you can train your mind into a lot of things. And you can train your mind to the first thing you think of being about Jesus. But it takes this burden. Do not be anxious about anything. Because we need to think less about fighting, gossiping, arguing, bickering. These are all things of the flesh. Having a mind of Christ changes our perspective on things. We no longer begin to care what color the chairs are. And we begin to care about the fact that we are seeing lost people come to Jesus. But we begin to focus on loving Reaching, engaging, and discipling. Men, I hope you love those four words because you're going to hear a lot of them for the next several weeks. Look at Paul's words in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever, if there is excellence, there's anything worth of praise, think about those things. What you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, here we go, talking about this changing of our mindsets yet again. If there is anything true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, if there is any of those things, think on them. You ever notice how if you go into a situation looking for conflict, you're going to find it? If you come into church expecting to find the negativity, you will find it. But Paul's focus here is not on the negative. Paul's focus is not on the things of earth. Paul's focus is on that which is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. When you have the mind of Christ, you begin to see Christ-like things. But again, these are not our natural state. These take us to have a little bit of of an adjustment issue because here's the third thing I want you to see this morning, church, is that if you want the peace of God, you have to know the God of peace. You can't manifest that if you don't know it. If you don't have the God of peace, you cannot expect to have the peace of God. This book of Philippians teaches us these things. It teaches us to have these different mindsets in our lives. Philippians 1, we need to have the, mi- the singular mind. For me, to live in Christ is to die is gain. What a wonderful truth. To live is to gain such a wonderful and amazing life with Jesus. But to die is even better. Philippians 2, it teaches us this submissiveness in our minds. Man, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Man, there's beauty in that. Philippians 3 teaches us the spiritual mind. Forgetting what lies behind, I strive forward to the goal. 
I press towards to the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And now in Philippians 4, we have this secured mind to think on these things. Man, think on these things. This should challenge the way we think about Romans 12 too. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you're testing. You may discern what is the will of God and be made perfect and acceptable. We can have God thoughts, but we've got to know the God of peace before we can have those God thoughts. When it comes to resolving conflict is realizing, man, what's worth, what's worth even fighting for? Theological issues, worth fighting for. Carpet color, not worth fighting for. Heresy, worth fighting for. Moving Sunday school classes, not worth fighting for. What is worth fighting for? Man, we don't want to be like Eodia and Syntyche. He says, have this mind about you to rejoice. And again, I say to you again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known because unsaved people are watching you. Pray that God will grant this mind that comes with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Church, we cannot have that peace that surpasses all understanding if we don't even look for the peace that begins with God. If we're far more worried about what pleases us than what pleases God, we've missed the mark entirely. Church, I'm going to tell you, and we're already getting to experience it, that we will be experiencing growing pains over the next several months. And growing pains are awesome. You know, you know those things you had when you were growing up, you were hitting adolescence, your knees hurt, your, your arms hurt, everything just hurts because your, your bones are growing. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, I got that now. My knees hurt, my back hurts. My... It's growing pains. But church, we, we will experience growing pains. You know why? Because lost people are going to come seeking the truth and we're going to give it to them. Because lost people are coming. And it's going to be a challenge. Because it's going to challenge us to think in the mindset of unity consistently. And what that looks like. What does six months look like for Eubank? What does a year look like for Eubank? What does 20 years look like for Eubank? Man, what is that? How do non-saved people look at us? The question is, church, lost people are coming. Are we ready for them? And the simple answer to that is not yet. But we will be. We will be. Are we going to be a church that, just like many other churches, fall into this temptation of being known for our fighting or gossiping or arguing or bickering because growing pains is usually a, a pretty cornerstone of a church you either embrace it and grow with it or you fight it and neglect it or are we going to be known for a church that cares more about loving engaging uh, re loving reaching engaging and discipling people 
Because my goal is to stand and make it impossible to go to hell from Pulaski County. And I don't say that to be funny. I say that because there are 55,000 souls on the line. And we've got our work cut out for us. Church, are we ready for that? Are we ready to make that kind of impact? Because I serve a God that can make that happen. And you do too. So the answer to the question this morning is, will you join me in that? Will you embrace the growing pains? Will you put aside the conflict, the bickering, all of the things that usually come with growing pains? And will we embrace the unity of the mind of Christ? And as we strive forward, be known for how much we love people. Be known for our desire to reach people. Be known for plugging them in and engaging them and being known for discipling them while we've got them. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Man, what a wonderful and amazing opportunity that is. Can I tell you that God loved you so much more than you can even begin to understand about yourself that he sent his only son, Jesus, that we, we were in our sin our sin that separated us from him, our sin that should have kept us separated from him for eternity, that God sent his son to live a perfect sinless life, to die on the cross and in that death pay the, the debt that you and I owe, to lay in the tomb for three days, but on the third day raise, defeat death, take that sting away and ascend to the Father. And in case through that payment of his death, offer that to you. And all you've got to do is accept it. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And Man, that's you. You just were here and you're like, man, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've messed up. Man, I believe Jesus paid that debt. And right now I'm willing to lay aside all of it just to confess him as Lord. Here in a moment we're going to have a time of invitation. And this is an opportunity for you to do just that. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been a Christian for several years, and man, your heart's just not in the right place. It needs that tune-up. This altar will be open. Pastor Aaron and I will be down front. My encouragement to you this morning, church, is if, man, if God's doing something in your life, if God is moving, man, listen to him. Maybe he's going to call you. Maybe you've been looking for a church to, 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 to make your home, man. We'd love to have you. Maybe you're saying, man, God set me aside for something. I don't know if it's ministry. I don't know if it's missions, but I just want to know what that's about. This time's for you. However God moves in this time, maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray for your friends. Man, they're part of those 55,000 people. Maybe that altar just needs to be filled with those names this morning. Whatever that may be, during this time of invitation, I pray that, man, you just you respond to that. Pastor Aaron and I will be down front. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I just pray that well, right now, as we go into our time of invitation, God, would you be working in us? God, would you be showing us? Lord, maybe there is one of us here that has never trusted in Jesus before. Lord, right now, would you just be showing them the truth? Would you give them boldness to just, just claim it for themselves? Father, maybe there's us that are here that, Lord, we just... Maybe we've been dreaming on that conflict. Maybe that's been brewing. And Lord, today we just need to come and just put that focus back on you, to put that mind on you, to rejoice in you, to be known more for our forbearance or our reasonableness, that we can put aside all those things, that we can be focused on you for the sake of the gospel, as Paul says. God, maybe these names that are just right now on our hearts, they just need to be brought to this altar. God, I pray that whatever, whatever needs to be, whatever decision 
needs to be made. God, we are faithful to listen this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.